When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson rocking it. Another uh, Viking shirt for Will. I think there's 14 in his closet. It's all good. We are less than 14 days away from Nebraska, Illinois. We'll get to it. Coach Chenander, Coach Rude. Coach Dawson all spoke. A handful of players will go through some interesting tidbits here from Coach Chenander on the defensive side of the ball. We'll spend some time with Greg Smith. Some thoughts on the Big Red season with Greg. Also some recruiting from uh, the uh, uh, standout from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Greg Smith at about 20 minutes. We'll uh, see what alliance can mean in college football. When I hear the alliance, I think of... Uh, forgive me, Star Wars, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if uh, the, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC can, can can sing Kumbaya pretty loud. Charlie McBride is with us, Mr. Blackshirt, in one hour. We'll get Coach's take here on, on you know, the, uh, the four-man front option with this Nebraska defense, the depth, the talent, and uh, kind of getting that pass rush situation figured out. And then an extended sit-down, a lot covered with Jim Walden, Gentleman Jim. He was a quarterback for Coach Devaney, coached a lot of years at Washington State and at Iowa State, an assistant for Nebraska in the 70s, uh, was close and is close with Monty Kiffin, Warren Powers. So Gentleman Jim, the old gunslinger from Mississippi, the quarterback, going to be with us, uh, Hall of Fame coach. Get his take on a lot of things Nebraska-related. Trev uh, now in the AD chair, year four for Frost. And uh, what uh, Jim's Pac-12 may be up to. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Can email. You're encouraged to do so, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a find. Give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, easy to do. And uh, do so at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Willie on the radio for Mr. Will Wilson. And uh, let's get to it. Will, uh, between 105 and 115,000 beers sold at Memorial Stadium. I am the dude that one of the, the few that did not go to Garth. What did I do Saturday night? I went and had beer and tacos with the wife Ooh. and then a little ice cream and then kind of crashed out. Uh, golf outing for me Saturday. The weekend edition got going seven to nine. So I didn't go down to Garth. I had a bunch of buddies that did. I was trying to get some some truth and dispel some rumor about the, the bleep show 
that 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 Saturday may have been with uh, some some amateurs out throwing cocktails yeah. too long and 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 not calling it uh, soon enough, stopping the fight, as they say. Yeah. So I'm interested in your take. You were slinging beers. You were bartending. Oh. You were doing radio. You were doing everything. Will Wilson, and true or false, your bar you're at, you almost got drank out of beer? It was close. It was very close. Now, I don't know what happened that night. I worked during the day. Uh, I'm going to guess by the end of the night they were uh, short yeah. short on a few liquids. Uh, but you know what? It was fine. It was busy, uh, but it cleared out. It was nice, man. Once the show started, everybody left, and it was just like... Time to breathe. Right, because you know? you're, you're just hammering yeah, drinks, exactly. you're mixing drinks, you're pouring beers, you're slinging cocktails. Yeah. I love it. I'll tell you what the most the disappointing part was after my shift. It, it was been like seven hours since I ate something. So you know how it is after a bar shift. You know, have a beer, have a few shots. And after that, Schmitty, I was dizzy drunk. I had to call an Uber and get home. I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> I need to eat. I just... It was crazy. You, so you, you didn't do the the bread or the pasta pregame routine? No, I went right to work. You went right to work. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I had a, I had a vodka lemonade about nine fifteen, <laughs> double, and it helped me later in the golf ah. round because I was on fire uh-huh. in, in a good way. It's on fire as I get. Yes. But so okay, so so Will Wilson got after it on on Saturday post Garth, but. What's what's your takeaway, buddies? You know that went friends that you have that that checked it out. Incredible show, it was a lot of fun. That's the word. And for the most part, everyone said oh, everyone was ready to have a great time. They were loud. They were proud. Kudos to you, Husker Nation. The um, the the beer setup. I mean, that was the the kind of a trial balloon potentially sure. for whatever that future is for mm-hmm. Nebraska football and alcohol. See, I mean. Haymarket Park and, and PBA are already set up, mm-hmm. right? Concert or Salt Dogs, you can go have a, a, a cold beer uh, and it's all good. You can even get a little vodka tonic if you're in the Diamond Lounge uh, ah. doing a little Salt Dog action. Good to know. So all that being said, I mean, some the, the day will come when, when you can get a cocktail at Memorial Stadium. We just don't know when that day is, but... What's the feedback you've gotten? I had some friends go. They said they had a great time. Um, the, you know, the, of course, they said the lines were were massive. But of course, that's even that's even a thing at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Sometimes, you know, so oh, you're you're in line for a while, exactly. and you get up during the slow song. You don't know mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> it, it's strategic. It's it's how it goes. Uh, but no, you're right though. When you said uh, you said people not calling it early, uh, Hooksy was telling me after the show there were some people uh, sitting on the curb. Doing, oh, so doing, doing one of those yep. where you just got to go TV time out. Just take a break. Sit on the curb. <laughs> <laughs> and just, as your friends just leave you. Yeah. See, that's happened to me before, but it was my own fault of the Dave Matthews show where ah. uh, I, I got lost and, and didn't find my way back to the to the car and I'm, and I'm an idiot anyway with directions so just kind of wandering lost in the gravel parking lot in, in blue stem missouri ah yeah yeah we'll, we'll leave we'll leave the the nitty gritty details sure. for that evening uh to the uh, e true hollywood story narrated by jeff the pharmacist our friend and denver fan uh yeah so long and short is i i lost balance i hit my left eye mm. on the asphalt and it was a week before my wedding pictures oh my god it healed okay was good. good i was gonna say what did it look like on with the wedding day yeah okay yeah. good yeah so there we go so there's your, your garth and uh football pregame roundup let's dive into some nebraska football and you know sammy McEwen asked a really good question to uh to coach chinander 
and it, let's think about this because Nebraska has had both. Nebraska's had, and we'll ask Charlie McBride this, uh, do you want an elite pass rusher or do you want a, a lockdown corner? And let's go right to, to that here, cut 12, and let's chew on it a little bit, and we'll have to decide does Nebraska have that on the roster right now. Here's Coach Chenander. <laughs> Gonna say you know, the same thing. If, if we know we got a lockdown guy, we can bring extra rushers uh, in past situations. So I, I think you know, as you're going out to recruit people, that, those are like the one and two, one A, one B. You got to find some of these corners, and then you got to find somebody that can go rush the passer. Um, you know, in, in the NFL, it's a little bit of a different game. The quarterback's not running the football. Um, the back's not getting out. They're not putting five out all the time in, in, in the passing game. Um, so those pass rushers and those corners really get to affect the game a lot. Um, they do at this level, too. You know, when you got a great corner, you don't have to worry about him. You can double somebody else on third down. You can send extra rushers. There's a lot of things you can do with a lockdown corner now and in the college game. If you have a war daddy off the edge, too. That, that, that changes things a little bit, too, and you can dictate protections and those types of things a little bit. So I think those are kind of 1A and 1B, probably lockdown corners 1A, pass rushers 1B. You know, I don't disagree. Now, my question is this, is what's harder to get? What's easier to get? Is it harder to get an elite pass rusher? I, I, I think so. I mean, I haven't seen anyone since Sue. You know. Well, you got Sue, Randy Gregory. Those sure. are kind of kind of it. But the thing that, like in my lifetime, my football life, I all I've known for a lot of it, <laughs> Nebraska's had both. Nebraska's had both, right? Yet you, you, you've had Broderick Thomas off the edge. You've had Neil Smith, right? Uh, you, you've had Baron Miles teamed up with. Dante Jones or a Trev Alberts or, or, or Tyrone Williams teamed up with a Trev Alberts. I mean, you've had elite like third round or, or, or Michael Booker first round or Ralph Brown fifth round or you've had really great corners. Like there, there's not there's not been like a Deion Sanders come through the building, like considered the greatest ever or a Daryl Green. Mm. But you've had dudes that have had long tremendous careers in the NFL. Terrell, Tyrone Williams was, was phenomenal, is phenomenal. Uh, and then you got him and uh, you got him on one side of the ball with, with, you mentioned Sue. I mean, Sue and Crick together. And then meanwhile, you've got Fonzie and, and Prince in the yeah. in the back, defensive backfield. Deadly. I mean, that's, that's kind of all I've known. Right. Like, honestly, just covering or, or cheering for this program, uh, pre like professional life that's what i've seen that's what that's what i have seen and you know you get a wistrom or a peter uh, teamed up with uh, you know a ralph on the other side i mean or a booker i mean it's it's what nebraska's had and, and that's not been the case here the last seven eight years uh i think it's hard as all get out to get that elite pass oh, rusher sure. i mean you can go th- th- there's just more corners available so and i'm not knocking or making it sound easy that oh yeah just go go find a corner 
no. It's it's hard to get that dude as well. But I think it's harder to get the elite pass rusher. But if you have the lockdown corner, then you got an extra whatever the the the, the time is. Well, quarterback wants to get the ball out of his hands in three seconds. Sure. Well, maybe the coverage makes him hold it to four or five seconds, right? And then pray to God your defensive line or a blitz can get home in time. What do you what do you think is more important in the Big Ten? I think I think you well here here's there's a little aside to that. Can I get in can I get an elite cover corner that's going to get off a block and go kill the ball carrier? That's the other thing. Nebraska with coach McBride had and and Bo. I mean, they had corners that were physical and could tackle. Prince oh, Prince and Fonzie didn't miss a lot of tackles. Oh yeah. Nate Gary didn't miss a lot of tackles. I, I even think back to Siante Evans. Yeah, Siante was nice. Yeah. Siante was really, really a talented corner. Mm-hmm. Right? So can I get a cor- I think you need a corner that can cover like no all no 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 problem at all. But I need a corner in the Big Ten that can get yeah. off its block and go smoke the ball carrier. Tackle, like right. one of the biggest plays in Nebraska football history. It was Ralph Brown smoking Jamal Lewis, forcing a fumble early in that 98 Orange Bowl. Ralph at 5'10", and you know, God bless Ralph, haven't talked to him in a while, but he was pretty regular with this. Ralph got out of his block, used his whole body, destroyed Jamal Lewis, fumble, recovered, Nebraska stops a drive by Peyton Manning in Tennessee. That's, that's 5'10", Ralph Brown uh, getting off his block, killing Jamal Lewis, you know, 2,000-yard rusher, bowling ball downhill with some side-to-side movement. And, and th- that's, that's what you got to have in the Big Ten, a dude that's great at coverage but can get off the block and make a tackle. Penn State, Ohio State, honestly, Iowa, Wisconsin, all those, those back, back fours can, can not only cover, but man, can they hit, they, they can tackle. Hit. And I think Nebraska's there, because let's talk about the here and now. Let's talk about Cam Taylor Britt. Is he a guy that can, can get to that level? And a little bit more from Coach Chenander here on, you know, Cam and his ability to become that lockdown. Do I think Cam has parts of his game that he can work on? Absolutely. Um, do I think that he's done a nice job of, of putting himself into a position to be one of the top corners in the country? Absolutely. Um, so he just got to keep up in the ante, and he can he can do whatever he wants. The potential's unlimited there, but uh, Cam Cam's a tremendous football player. So Cam absolutely is there, and, and Cam's competitiveness, his ability to go one-on-one, not get beat deep, and he's no, no doubt going to be able to get off the ball and, and make a tackle. So you've got that ability. You've got that guy on one side. Nebraska's still in the process of shaking out between Clark and uh, Tariq Johnson, and, uh, you know, that's, that's and, and Quentin Newsom. I mean, those are the three that they're trying to settle inside on. Uh, defensively. Uh, back to that pass rush. Uh, let's hear that part of the equation here from Coach Chenander here as he gave a, a pass rush update. We'll hear about Caleb Tanner in just a moment. We all know, you know, we got to create some more, some more pressure on the quarterback. Uh, the pass rush in camp so far has been much improved. Uh, is it where we want it to be? No. Um, we still got a ways to go, but it's been much improved from last year's same group, but much improved from this group to last group just by their, their growing through themselves. Guy you're waiting to pop, and it could be this year, is Caleb Tanner. Where's he at? He's probably still got to put on a little weight, you know, uh, but he's, he's, he's figuring out his body. He's figuring out his position. Um, he 
knows what he can and can't do. You know, when you come in as a highly rated kid out of high school, you got to kind of figure out what you can get away with in college and what you can't get away with. You know, he could get away with about anything you wanted. Now it's, you know, you're not as big as some of those guys, but you got speed on your side, so how can you use that to your advantage? And I think he's kind of figuring that out uh, as he goes. So interesting question. Uh, we'll check in with Charlie McBride on that uh, pass rush or lockdown corner. Excited to spend a few minutes with Greg Smith. But overall, Nebraska spending a lot of time continuing to uh, try and simulate game speed, really get the guys as prepped as humanly possible for what they're going to see a week from Saturday against the Illini. Uh, more good on good, so ones versus ones, and it's pad popping, it's physical. And uh, you know what Bielam is going to bring to the party? Aside from not knowing, the unknown is a clear advantage that Illinois has, but you're combing through all Wisconsin and Arkansas tape. And uh, Bielema, just for old time's sake, with salt in open wounds still, you'll see a jet sweep around the edge. Oh, yeah, flashback of the uh, the old Big Ten title game. Greg Smith's next on Hale Varsity. back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson, Charlie McBride, and gentleman Jim Walden uh, with us in Hour 2. We say hi to Mr. Recruiting. Greg Smith with us at GregSmithHV on Twitter. And you read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Greg, what is up? How was the weekend, man? What do you know? Oh, not, not a lot. The weekend was good. I actually went back home to Chicago, spent some time with the family. We got to watch the Bears and the Justin Fields experience with my dad. Uh, so I'm back with uh, recharged batteries and ready to roll. How was the preseason, man? How was uh, Fields looking? You are uh, all about the Bears. You've always been through thick and through thinner, my friend. And you got to be feeling good about the fact that you've got a quarterback for the first time since the punky QB. Yeah, we got a quarterback that I can actually, like, I feel like there's hope. Like, I always felt like with the Jay Cutler, with the Jay Cutler experience, it was always like, okay, he's going to do something great, and then there's going to be five horrible things that come after that. Um, right now, because Fields, you know, is only played in one preseason game, um, we feel very good about him. Those things started off a little rocky with those two fumbles. Um, he, he rallied uh, to make a nice debut of the, of the preseason over the weekend. You know how sweet it is to watch him roll right throw back on a wheel route to the sideline and and have a, a wide open receiver Yes, yes, I do. Unfortunately, uh, in some ways, um, maybe maybe Nebraska can pick up a couple of, or not Nebraska, maybe the Bears can pick up a couple of those receivers in next year's draft. Yeah, they're going to have to start getting him some more weapons. But but I like where things are so far. Yeah, I saw some of his highlights, and, and he looked he looked good. Coach Janander Greg spent time talking and was asked the question by uh, by Sam about you know uh, okay pick one right we all love this game uh give me a give me a lockdown quarter or give me a, an elite pass rusher and i totally get the the math behind a, an elite corner but you're a recruiting dude you talk to all sorts of kids you follow the offers you follow the 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 amazing al- amount of offers that go out to pass rush specialists and 
while the cornerback call is not a wrong call at all, go get me an elite corner, is it more difficult, in your opinion, as a recruiting guy to go get an elite pass rusher versus an elite corner? Man, it's tough because I actually – they're both really, really hard to get. Right. get. And, and incidentally, like, it feels like the best of the best at each position go to the same schools, <laughs> um, which is probably, probably no coincidence um, that that happens either. But, man, it's tough to get either. I actually – I had a feeling – and it's funny, I actually talked to Sam about this after he asked the question. I had a feeling that people would kind of be taken aback by Chenander's answer, but you hit it right on the head with the math, right? It's – it's the math of it with the corner, and I do think that the corner is a little bit more important only because you can change the math of everything. If you can bring more guys, you can disguise more pressure. So I do think that his kind of assessment of that is correct, and, you know, the corner is 1A in that group, but both are really, really hard to get because there's only there's very few at each position. Will and I were talking in, you know, pre, pre-like professional life, Growing up and going to Nebraska games, all I knew was you had both. You had both, and then you had a you had a dude behind your one A and your one B that also was going to go to the NFL. Greg, that's what's like different and real about Nebraska football. They they could have guys that in, in Nebraska is going about it the development way on top of the, the raw skill when you step in. There's just not a lot of Deion Sanders or Lawrence Taylor's kicking it, right? I mean, they, 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 they get made a little bit in college, and then they get refined in the NFL, and then it's gold jacket time. But that's, with me, man, that's kind of all I know is Nebraska's had an elite corner, Baron Miles, Tyrone Williams. They've had an elite pass rusher, Broderick Thomas, Trev Alberts. Peter, Wistrom, Sue, uh, Prince, Fonzie. I mean, I know that I, I may be going a little liberal here with the term elite, but the guys I just listed off were great at what they did. And, oh, yeah, by the way, they were good against the run, too. They just weren't a one-trick pony. Yeah, and that's, that's actually been what's really been unique about how Nebraska feels like has built their cornerback room over time. Um, and honestly, what Travis Fisher is trying to do right now, right, is you want guys that can cover and can stop the run because you almost have to have that in this conference, right? Um, it, it has very much become that way because teams will find ways to scheme it up and to isolate those cornerbacks even in the run game. So you have to be able to do both. Um, but also, you, I think something important was said there is that Nebraska being more of a de- developmental program that's not going to bring in guys necessarily that are going to be able to hit the ground running day one as that elite pass rusher, or in a lot of cases that, that corner that was easier to do it at the corner spot, um, you have to build that up over time. The problem with that, though, is that you have to get to that point to where you get it rolling. And like Wisconsin and Iowa have been very good at doing that. Michigan State, remember for years and years under Mike D'Antoni, we D'Antonio were really good at being able to do that. You just have to get to that point, and then you get to to be able to build on top of that. Um, And it just feels like you always have like a redshirt sophomore or even a redshirt junior ready to take over one of those spots. Yeah, you just reload, and and you were right on about the no-fly zone. And Michigan State, when they were in their heyday, had really great back level third level cover guys that were physical and then we know the number of defensive linemen from sparty that have gone into the league from 12 to to 15 you know i mean they're they're just all over the league greg smith's with us hail varsity.com and magazine recruiting insider at greg smith hv on twitter 
Uh, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast will drop tomorrow, and uh, you can find that on Google, uh, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, subscribe to that. Greg kills it every week. So, Greg, uh, a thought here on, on two names defensively to further this cornerback and, and pass rush discussion. Where do you feel as, as you kind of gauge things Caleb Tanner is at, and then what's the what's the probability that the Cam Taylor Britt, as good as he was last year, takes an even greater step this year to to kind of fit that that definition of a lockdown corner? Yeah, I think the Cam Taylor Britt is close. I think that he's a guy that we've definitely seen him make the plays, and you've seen all the photos uh, that one handed play, mm-hmm. seen some of the big time interceptions. You've seen the you know the blitz off the edge to force a fumble, that sort of stuff. Um, you just want to see it from him on a game-to-game, you know, quarter-to-quarter basis. Like, that consistency and playing at that level and that high of a level all the time, I think, is the next thing for him. And I think, he's, as Chenander said today, he's well capable of being able to do that. Um, he just has to go out there and do it. And I think that he's very close to being that lockdown cornerback. Um, when it comes to Caleb Tanner, it, it's kind of now or never for him, not just because he's older in the program now, but you've also got other guys that are going to be nipping at his heels to try to take those snaps. You know that JoJo is going to get a lot of snaps at one outside linebacker spot. You feel pretty certain that um, Garrett Nelson is going to get a lot of snaps as well. Um, and then Tanner is going to be a guy that can be used with his pass rush skills. But then even in that kind of specialized role, you have a guy in Feldarius Payne who's hot on his heels in that. Um, so Tanner definitely has to make the most of his opportunities right now. He still has the talent, uh, but it's also about putting everything together and knowing that he has to continue to work to well to round out his game at the collegiate level to be as good as he was in high school. You know, Chenander's yeah. first comment was about, you know, weight. And do you yeah. think Caleb's just still a little bit too light? Is he going 235? Is he 250-ish? I mean, where do you think his weight is at? Because, I mean, initial, like, first step, getting around the edge, Caleb's done well against some of the, the Pac-12 opponents, right? But when it comes to Big Ten, what type of pressure is he getting? And I think Caleb's, you know, I think Caleb's a talented kid, and I think he's He's uh, got a great attitude, but from the from the skill set, is 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 the weight there to be a non liability to to not not if they do get your hands on him, the uh, the left tackle or right tackle, is he so light that they can just toy with him? Yeah, that's going to be the issue because I I don't think he's, he's not anywhere near two fifty, um, and he's probably not at that two thirty five two thirty level either. I don't know what they list him on Husker.com, but I would guess that he's under that 230 mark, um, and if that's going to be the case, then he's going to have to beat people with speed off of the edge and elite pass rushing moves, and that's what I'm going to talk about rounding out his game, mm-hmm. uh, because in high school, you know, when you're a high four-star kid, you just run around everybody, right? You get to the Big Ten, everybody's fast, even the offensive linemen, um, they've got athleticism to them. Just look at some of the guys on his own offensive line uh, to see that, and so you you have to be able to develop that, that primary and secondary pass rush move to be able to really affect the quarterback and to be able to stay on the field, especially if you're going to be playing a little bit lighter um, than you would ideally want at that position because he's kind of been light the entire time he's been in Nebraska. Remember, as a true freshman, um, he was underweight for the size at there. They just had to get someone out there, um, and he needed to get his feet wet to try to, to speed up his progression. You know, you and I can, can help Caleb out with uh, just grilling for him. 
Right, right. I mean, I mean, I'm sure if you just load up on that beef, uh, you get some good <laughs> corn. I know you got a lot of corn recipes floating out there now. Oh, you man. Get that uh, it'd be all good. I, not to open that can of worms again. Brother, I, I have been, I need an intervention. I have done corn <laughs> on the cob. I've Because of the recipes we got from two Fridays ago. I have perfected. I, I have not grilled it. I have I have boiled it, and I'm doing the four and a half minute thing with a little salt. I have not tried the lemon juice yet, but I okay. mean, like all I've done is just eat corn on the cob. I've gone to the gym, right? I've, I've made sure I've gotten to the gym, but I am just just killing it with with butter, salt, and 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 pepper, and I've been the happiest dude on my on my block because all I've done is just corn on the cob the last three or four days. So somebody needs to sit in and treat me like Christopher Malt. Asante. That, that's, that's a good thing, though. I, I kind of like it. Um, I, I still haven't ventured back in. I need to do it. Now, I'm probably going to go start off with, with your salt and boiling. What you said, four minutes and, and just go with the classics right there. Oh, it's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had some for lunch. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. so not even dinner. You're not even waiting until dinner. You're just going straight lunch. Oh, I, I had one of your left and uh, heated it briefly in the microwave. Had a little chicken Caesar salad. It's a nice balance, okay. right? Go with the salad. And uh, yeah, it's all good. Balance. It's all good. So uh, real quick, Greg, what what's kind of on your radar here about 30 seconds recruiting-wise for Nebraska? Yeah, I think it's still it's going to now really turn to getting some of those official visits set up. Um, there's very few set up right now. Um, I think that that actually it's not necessarily Nebraska like looking bad. It's just it's reflective of how few spots are left. Right, um, I am operating with Nebraska probably signing 13 guys, maybe 14 uh, for the 2022 signing class. So those spots are at a premium for those official visits. You don't want to just um, use a bunch of them in case you need to save some for the off season too. Uh, and you can focus in game. In the 2023 and 24 class, getting those guys in town. But that's kind of the next thing that I've got my eye on. Who's going to be coming in for official visits? Greg Smith with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Recruiting Insider at Greg Smith HV, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Greg, we'll talk soon. Awesome stuff. Good to, good to spend a few minutes, bud. Hey, have a good week. Thanks as always for having me. There he is, Greg Smith. We'll uh, check in. Jim Walden, Charlie McBride on the way. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Find us on Twitter at Hail Varsity at ESPN. Lincoln, Greg Smith with us, ESPN On Demand, ESPNLincoln.com, where you can find the On Demand interviews, also ESPN Lincoln. Uh, the Twitter handle is uh, where you can get that. Uh, Willie J, uh, Will Wilson sitting in today, doing a great job. And uh, coming up, uh, Jim Walden, gentleman Jim, a great storyteller and uh, is a guy that, that loves, uh, still loves Nebraska football. So our friends at Hale Varsity sent us this, this rundown of uh, the, 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 the beer ranking. Right, you've got the uh, the coaches and the AP polls that are out. Right, who's receiving votes? Who's in the top ten? Who's number one? No shock that the Bushlight came in at number one. A lot of country music fans love them some Bush lattes. I have refined my taste to also enjoy Bushlight. Dad started drinking Bushlight because a lot of his buddies are Bushlight guys mm-hmm. when they come over to swim. 
And uh, yeah, uh, the, the tall boy bush slide tastes pretty awesome, especially on yeah. a golf course or a concert. Let's be real, Schmitty. They probably could have just had bush light and they would have been happy. It would have been fine. Yeah. But uh, listen, and I'm not knocking those who go with the claw, but the claw snuck in as uh, a, a big time choice. The Bud Light Strawberry Lemonade Seltzer. How'd that do? The, I think top four. Okay. Uh, you had Bush, you had uh, Mick Ultra. I'll drink Ultra, but I'm yeah. a wuss. I need a lime in it. Okay. That'll give me a little umph. Sure. Bud Light, never been a Bud Light guy. That's not to thumb my nose at the Bud Light Nation. Coors Light in at five, Miller Light six, White Claw seven. Are you, I mean, listen, there's no judgment, judgment free zone. Of course. Are you, are you a White Claw guy? I'm not. I didn't even know they were having that. I didn't even see that on the menu when they were tweeting that all out on Friday. Interesting. That must have been a late add in. Uh, you know, if it's there Prior to be named later, if it's there, I'll drink it. We'll put it that way. Well, is it one of those that you'll only drink if it is the only thing there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. That's all. They're good. not bad. Good. It, yeah. But you just you just have a higher. Uh, I, I I like the Mexican beers. Yes, that's where I'm at. They're great. Give me a Premier. Give me a Modelo. Give me a Pacifico. Yes. yes. And there's some beer I had in Omaha. I still can't pronounce the name. Uh, and it's not like too exotic. I've just got a garbage memory. Is it Estrella? Yes. Yes. That's phenomenal. Love it. Yeah, Love I was Estrella. asking you. Yeah, it's great. That's mm-hmm. that's all I buy. Very good. I'm just a Mexican beer snob, I guess. They I love Mexican beer. beer. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12 Alliance uh, getting together here, Dennis Dodd going to work with some investigation. This three-team conference handshake <laughs> could be the the way to combat the TV rights negotiation and further kind of put the candle out on expansion. Because here's the reality. If you're the Pac-12 and you're the new commish, you don't want your best squads being raided and what you have left over merges with the Big 12. right? You don't want the have-nots of the Pac-12 being on their own island, and then eventually, here comes the 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 little eight, so to speak. Um, and, and and there's your new something. Let's all join at the hip, and let's work out a scheduling setup. If I'm the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC, let's have strength in numbers with three leagues that are still on their own, but as a as a partnership. With all three of those leagues, we can command a massive TV deal just similar to the SEC hmm. without having to go raid and then further get down these railroad tracks of just a two-league super conference set up in college football and everyone else turns into a group of five. <laughs> that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. the Big Ten already prints money. The ACC and the Pac-12 very distant third and fourth places for TV revenue. And you have the Big Ten, the SEC. Now, the SEC is going to get a bump with Texas and Oklahoma. But the Big Ten has already been out out earning the SEC as is. I mean, this is going to bring the SEC up to Big Ten financial level. And uh, and all the, the cheese and wine dudes and gals that are that are PhDs and smart. And I'm not knocking you. I mean, I, but you're the ones that are the decision makers over athletics. The chancellors and <laughs> administrators and and council of presidents right right? i mean those are the folks that that just absolutely bank with research dollars 
that are granted by the government to come in. And it's it, it's an obscene it's an obscene ratio. What what you think you make a ton of money for in football is a drop in the bucket compared to all the research money that comes in. But on the football front, you're going to want to see a matchup that is going to give you Michigan USC three week three mm-hmm. without without having to go absorb. You can do it if you're the Big Ten, but that does no good for the Pac-12. CC, you've got a few private schools that are pretty hoity-toity, i.e. Virginia, and you've got some some juice behind you if you're North Carolina. But I mean, <laughs> Florida State doesn't really fit. They're kind of like Oklahoma State academically. Sure, I mean they're they're, they're really a good ball school, but there's not a lot of Florida State graduates probably had their, their degree on their wall it to display proudly. It ain't worth it, right. I mean, it, it's it's you go there to, to, to play ball. Okay? Yeah, sure. Or pick or me so I can get in. And I'm one of those kids. I, I went where I could be taken. Yeah. And thank God it was Nebraska. So TV money-wise, the Texas and Oklahoma, the SEC can now brag that it has approximately 10 of the best rivalries of all time within the walls of its conference. A scheduling alliance across the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12, that's the best way for those leagues to approximate the total total and enhance the TV inventory with new, compelling, non-conference matchups. So, USC-Penn State isn't a rivalry, but damn, you loved watching it in the Rose Bowl a few years back. Mm -hmm. Michigan and Washington, non-conference set up this year, but typically, you'd only get to see that on New Year's Day in Pasadena. If you're the ACC, you have Notre Dame. They already play SC. That's That's been a long, long-standing rivalry. You had, Notre Dame's uh, always played Stanford. They played the service academies. But if, if you're, I don't know, if you're, uh, say you're, who do we want to look at in the West? Say you're Iowa. Iowa against Mack Brown and North Carolina would be fun. Yeah. All right. Or listen, uh, Arizona State, Nebraska, some horrific memories there. But why not uh, get even even a quarter of a century later? So that that could work. And I mean, Oregon's really the draw. Stanford, Northwestern, they had a home and home not too long ago. This is not foreign for Big Ten teams. They've scheduled a lot of West Coast schools in the name of recruiting and trying to get kids out of out of California. Mm hmm. And, and I think that's that's smart here. It, it, it would give you great, well, the rivalries, one thing with 10 of the best rivalries. Let's look at some, some not seen that often matchups, right? I mean, you're going to have Michigan and Ohio State. You have Duke, North Carolina basketball. You have USC, UCLA. The Big Ten still leads the playing field and its members with 54 million annually with media rides. Why would the richest league share its value, not only brand and financial with the Pac-12 and the ACC? It's because of playoff access. The Big Ten and Pac-12 have each played one another in the Rose Bowl for the most part since 1902. And you still have the ACC Big Ten basketball setup that's going on. This makes sense. It can work. And it's the way to, to counter Texas and OU moving to SEC land. Hour one almost finished. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Email in from Bert. Your fancy beers are for sipping. 
and having a meal. Others are for pounding in large quantities. Fair point. We were talking about the amount of beer rocked at Memorial Stadium <laughs> and uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, podcasts can find us. Hail Varsity uh, is uh, where you find Hail Varsity Radio, uh, weekend edition, Monday through Friday shows. Sure to download those. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We want to hear from you what you think. And uh, thanks for listening. Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. So we're talking about that uh, partnership that is uh, being talked about, uh, not rating, not poaching, uh, but, a, but a scheduling partnership. That's pretty logical. That makes a lot of sense. Even like like a pit in a, in a Michigan state, right, would make sense for football because Narduzzi's the head coach over at Pitt. Uh, that would be good. A couple more thoughts here from Coach Chenander uh, before we get to Charlie McBride. Uh, let's get a little bit further in depth with that quarterback battle. You have Tariq Johnson, that is the, the five-star uh, kid that, that is in. You got Quentin Newsom, that's kind of your favorite. He's been here the longest. Braxton Clark, also super talented. But uh, they need to settle down on who's going to be opposite Cam Taylor Britt. That's another one that's still going right now. Um, a lot of guys at the top, you know, Quentin Newsom, Tyreek Johnson, Braxton Clark. <clears throat> and, you know, and you're seeing a couple, a couple young guys really, really come on too. Um, you know, Marquise Buford's done some nice things, and so has Malik Williams over the over the last week. So that that position's got to shake out a little bit for us as well. They're all kind of those those top three: Braxton, uh, Tyreek, Quentin. They're all getting reps the ones right now. So that, that's a that's a good competition. So I love getting perspective on the other side of the ball from somebody on defense. Coach Chenander uh, didn't get super specific, but did give an update on, on what he thinks about the Nebraska offense, how it's been going. So far, I like what they're doing. Um, you know, I'm not going to give out a bunch of scheme stuff and all that kind of thing, but I like what they're doing. They're, they're doing a good job of, of running that ball downhill. Um, those guys are uh, tight ends, offensive line, physical up front. Those backs are running the ball really hard. Um, you know, they've got some nice some nice uh, install pieces that they've, they haven't had maybe previously that I really like, and, and I like how the, uh, the passing game's kind of built off, off some, of those, uh, some of those run actions, so I, I really like what they're doing right now. Ty Robinson, he can do it all. Let's get uh, some thoughts on his progress from Coach Chenander. When you watch Ty last year, and this is me watching film, maybe not you guys watching the football game, you guys saw a lot of good things that he did. I just saw a lot of mistakes as a young guy. Um, And a lot of times where nobody else in the stadium would know that maybe a run got popped because, you know, a young guy made a mistake. He's done a really good job this camp of gap integrity, doing his job, knowing when to take a shot, um, knowing when he has to go play a block and he can't get knocked out. Uh, so he's just the mental side of his game. I think has grown grown a lot since we stopped the season last year to beginning the season this year. Coach Chenander, good stuff from him today. More on. That inside linebacker rotation from Barrett Rude. Special teams from Coach Dawson. And uh, we are going to gear up Mr. Blackshirt himself. A Monday with Charlie. Charlie McBride on the way. And then a sit down with uh, the gentleman. The uh, the old riverboat gambler. 
Jim Walton, quarterback for Devaney, assisted Devaney, had his own run with Washington State and Iowa State. Some thoughts on the Big Red, Hour 2 on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or one 800 825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson, as uh, we are efforting Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Jim Walden. Gentlemen, Jim's coming up in uh, about 20 minutes or so. We'll spend time with Coach McBride here in just a moment. Lots to get into with uh, Nebraska defensively as uh, we'll see what Coach McBride has to say uh, about that. Uh, numbers to dial up, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. The numbers to dial up. can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Uh, that is where we email things. And now we have the coach. And uh, we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt. We're getting closer and closer to, to kick off against the Illini. Charlie McBride with us on Monday with Charlie. Coach, how's your Monday going? Good. I was just got done shoveling some snow and I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, I, uh, I am so sorry it's, it's August and, and you have snow, but it might, might cool things down, sir. How are you? Good. Well, it is. Uh, it, it's it's that time of year, and uh, we're we're gearing up and excited for football. And you know, Coach, love spending time with you on Mondays. I'm interested here, and the question was posed to Coach Chenander today: What would you rather have, an elite pass rusher or a lockdown corner? And and I spent time talking about you know growing up in Nebraska, growing up in Lincoln, and. You guys had a lot of both. <laughs> you, you, you developed uh, a lot of really good players. What would you pick, though? What did you want to bring in? Was it harder to to get a pass rusher or harder to go get a high-level cornerback? Well, it's hard to get a high-level cornerback, really. I mean, you know, you've got uh, – if you play a lot of zone, it's a little different. But if we were a man-to-man team, so – you know, you really had to get a guy that was uh, a good corner, cover corner, because our scheme would let, let uh, allow him just to be one-on-one a lot and not get a lot of help, mm-hmm. except from the free safety maybe on, at, at times. But uh, it, it, a cover corner is a tough thing. I mean, even in the NFL or wherever you want to go, it's they're always, a, you know, a, people that are <clears throat> highly recruited, uh, type of people and um, so but uh, uh, you, you know they work together As, you know you always say it's a coverage sack mm-hmm. you know or it's a lineman sack it's you know so a lot of times you'll hear people say using the word coverage sack meaning that they couldn't throw the ball and we got a sack mm-hmm. and it, and because they couldn't throw it you get the sack so you you know if you said which one do you want I don't know you need both of them if you want to be good. <laughs> I, I want to kind of focus on some of the guys that that spark my memory that were really good 
and I'll call them lockdown guys, Baron Miles, Tyrone Williams, Ralph Brown. I'm I'm leaving some out and that's not intentional, but those guys those guys were pretty pretty big time game changers, weren't they? Yeah, you know, and and uh, we had a kid named Booker my last year that Michael really Booker, did, yeah, yeah, Michael. He really played well, and and uh, you know, he, he played especially in the bowl game. I mean, that yeah, was of course that was his last game, and, and had an interception, I think, for a touchdown mm-hmm. in, in that game. And it was, you know, it's hard to it, it's hard to uh, imagine how many kids went through this. Uh, uh, you know this this process mm-hmm. of changing from pr- pretty much a, a you know maybe more of a zone team to more of a man team, and that's you know of course when you get to the next level, you got to be able to do both. But some are major in one or the other, and some just you know play man, and you have to learn to pass people off. You mm-hmm. have to learn to do a lot of things cover backs out of the backfield and you may be a safety covering a back out mm-hmm. of the backfield you know you just don't know what the scheme is or what the defense calls for mm-hmm. so uh but the thing that that we felt like because of practice time and and things like that was to keep the secondary as simple as we could and as few coverages as we could but you have to make some adjustments in those coverages so you know that was that was a that would what sometimes become a you know a problem. So that that means you have to make a check call, and and we didn't like to do that if we could help it because we wanted them to play. You know, know exactly where they're going and and do it that way. Uh, you know, and again, it's it's the practice time you get. You can't do too much for them because they just you're not going to be good at anything. Charlie McBride's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, when did you did, did you go more man? And, and maybe you you were always man. I don't know. Did you go more man when you made the switch to that 4-3? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We went to more man, and we played what we called. We played what they call a man-free defense. Uh, we, we had our safety free. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the basic coverage part of it, and uh, but that doesn't mean he isn't going to be out covering a guy because if they start spreading them all over the field, you got to use them all. The thing we wanted to do was keep our linebackers in if we could to stop the run. We didn't want to, we didn't like to displace our linebackers too good. We like to fool them in what we call step up in the line and do a lot of stuff. And we'd be in the line of scrimmage even though we were playing a zone maybe because it, it takes a little work to do that. People are scared to do it, I think, um, because it, that, that's the work part of it. You have to recognize things when you're dropping. And, um, you know, if you're standing still and recognizing something, that's one thing. But when you're dropping and reading something else, that, that's another one. But they get used to doing it, and when they do it, they're good. You know, it's kind of like the game's slowing down for me. You know, you'll hear a guy say that, and uh, when that happens, then you got then you got what you're looking for. You got you know somebody that can do that type of thing, and we just we we fool by fooling we might mean we we mean that we're we're not coming mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times. You know, and so unless the unless the play or the or that scheme called for it, you know, what we were coming. But a lot of times we'd show pressure on both sides and the quarterbacks get confused. Mm. 
they don't know which side they're coming from, and they don't a lot of times don't know where to move that move their um, their their uh, front to cover to protect against the you know the, the sack or the um, free man coming. So that that was a scheme that we had, and we, we you'll see a lot of people step up in the line and come out before the ball snap, but we didn't do that, mm-hmm. and that that really is hard on people, especially with our defensive ends. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie Hale of City Radio. Which would be which would be which would be your outside back your outside right. backers in this game. No, I get you. I wanted to to ask you about some some kids that were were the, the pass rush side of things. Uh, when we look at a Neil Smith or a, or a Broderick Thomas or a Trev Alberts or Grant or Jason, I mean you you just you would stack and stockpile and develop, and you had kids that were really good. I mean, it all came together where you, you developed really high-level guys. But w- was that something that mm-hmm. – it, it felt like you hit on a lot. You guys hit on a lot of, of really talented guys, uh, made them into really great players. They put the work in, obviously, to become great players. Right. But was there a guy or two that sticks out to you that was just magnificent at getting to the quarterback? Well, there were a lot of guys that did it with their strength and power, like a kid like say Jared Tomich. Yes, he did. He did a lot of strength moves. When Neil Smith had long arms, he did a lot of things that that would you know would help him get separation from the defensive tackle quick, and and be able to just with his speed get by him. Mm-hmm. You know, just run by him. Uh, probably the best all around rusher when you really get down to it was was. Trev Alberts. I mean, he had strength and speed, and you know, really good knowledge. He had great eyes. Uh, he anticipated the quarterbacks moving a lot. A lot of times, which you know you could see, he probably didn't even know it, mm. but you could see in the film that he he had a, a feel for this quarterback's going to escape this quarterback because of pressure somewhere else, and so on and so forth. So he, you know, could analyze what the heck was going on a lot, and that that was something that's hard to find. That's kind of an instinctive thing, like your great linebackers you had, mm-hmm. like the Butkuses and these guys that, you know, you can line up and they could run a five-three and still tackle you on the sideline. <laughs> you know, we just knew it. it. Was, you know, God-given ability, mm-hmm. and that's that's what some guys have. Some guys you have to work with. The biggest thing a guy could have, what well, young guys. It's being able to explode off of his move. Mm. A lot of times you'll see guys make a good move, but they can't accelerate off of that move. And that's what you're looking for in high school. If you're looking for a guy that, you know, has something like that. And uh, there's a young kid I, I looked at on film that's, uh, uh, I think, a commit committed kid. I, I don't know his name, but the big, tall kid, 6'5". And I, this kid's got, he's got some stuff that I look at when I look at, you know him on film. I look at some of the things that I, you know, saw in Grant mm. Wistrom. I mean, he he could really accelerate. Once he figures out what's going on, he he'd go. And um, so that that's what it takes a lot of times. And a lot of times you have trouble rushing the passer because you, you you plain don't put them in good positions. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dependent on your coverage all the time and. 
You know, I, I always said, yeah, if you like we did, we live by the sword, you die by the sword, too. I mean, we, yeah. we get beat, you know, sometimes. I mean, that's not, you know, when you got a guy out there one-on-one, and I don't care how good he is, you, you, you know, they'll they find a way, you know, if you if they get enough time. Mm-hmm. And that's where your front comes in to, you know, play. I mean, it's really important. It's a it's it's a it's a work uh, it's a collaborative effort for sure the the, right. the secondary oh, no and the defensive line, no question. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie, Coach. I know you, you've always been there for for different coaches and staffs, and uh, just wanted to kind of get your take here uh, on Coach Chenander. You've spent a lot of time with him and talking to him. You even gave him a belt buckle. <laughs> I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did. He, 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 you know, he's got a responsibility, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that's it's not easy. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I it, it wasn't as smooth. I mean, we won a lot of games, but it wasn't as smooth run as you think. I mean, you know, the fans were. I mean, I had times where I had guys on the radio even saying that I ought to be fired, and we're won, we're winning nine and ten games a year. <laughs> I'm going like, what do you have to do? You know, I can't fly. You know, I'm so, yeah. so you know, and, and you know, it's it's a matter of, of a lot of times it's a matter of we, we allowed too many too many yards, and and that's true. Uh, but we won because we were a good offensive team, and we could wear people out. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know sometimes I would say you know our our best defense was our offense. You know, and because we weren't doing well, and we've had some 300, 400. I guess we had a 400-yard game one time, uh, Kansas or Kansas State, which, you know, that was that was good enough for me getting my walking papers. <laughs> they didn't score that much, though, Coach. <laughs> no, they, well, they, they, a lot of teams they don't do now. It's kind of the name of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of it's kind of. Said there are a few teams though that really depend on you know the run, and I notice a lot of the coaches on offense are saying, you know that that we with our passing game we can develop our run, mm-hmm. and that we developed our running game uh, with our running game we developed our pass, sure. just the opposite, and um, you know and 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 that's what I, those are the things that they did such a good job up in the up in the box upstairs. Was they recognize people, you know, supporting too quick or mm-hmm. something on a play, and then run the play action pass, and somebody run by them. Mm-hmm. And if you look every year, we might be last in passing, but you also look and we'll be first in touchdown passes. <laughs> so you know, it, that, that's something people fail to look at a lot of times. Well, the yards per catch was always pretty amazing. Where you'd have a tight end get deep or a wide out on a go route off play action, and it was. It was pretty special. Coach, got about a minute left. Are, are you gearing up for uh, for the opener here? Are you getting excited? Uh, yep. I, for a while there, I didn't know if we'd even have any electricity. We had a terrible storm. We have a lot of damage around here. Everything you know, okay down. with you? Huh? Everything okay with you, your house? Yeah, everything. We, we don't have enough. We got some behind us that it could be bad, but mm. uh, not on our property. But a lot of people have crushed roofs. My oh, brother man. got his the one fell right on his roof, and one side of the lake got pretty pretty destroyed. I know that one guy, uh, just to give you an example, had to get a crane and so forth to get into his property, and it cost him twenty thousand. Jeez, 
So, I mean, that isn't fooling around. And this house is, you know, a million-dollar home, but it's mm-hmm. trees all over the place. Wow. And, it, and and the travel was bad, and the Internet just came on yesterday. Jeez. So okay. from about five days, four or five days. Well, we'll be so, thinking of you guys up there for sure. I'm sorry to hear about the storm. <laughs> we're, 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 we're doing good now, though. Well, you... Uh, Stay safe, and uh, thanks for jumping on with us, Coach. It's awesome to chat with you. We'll be ready for game week next week. How's that sound? I'm ready. All right. I'm I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Okay, guys. Take care, Coach. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Coach McBride's probably just going to throw those trees aside. How about his neighbors? Jim Walden, the gentleman, on the way. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Football season's here. Let's talk to the gentleman, Jim Walton, longtime coach, Hall of Fame coach, and, of course, uh, with Coach Devaney for so many years. Coach Jim, how the heck are you? Well, I'm just right. You know, I'd have a little less smoke out here, Smitty, if we could uh, – I, if we get through the forest fire season, I think I'll be a lot better. But uh, look, you know, football's here. What's not happy when that happens? No, I know, and and I know you're kind of in the Pacific Northwest region, and also kind of in the the gorgeous part of Idaho. How bad's it been for for you guys from from where you're located? Well, it, it was really bad for about two weeks because we got we are so close up to Canada, and mm. Canada and British British Columbia is having a boatload of, of uh, uh, fires. Mm-hmm. And now, and that goes along with our own between uh, the northern part of Washington has been really, we here in the state of Idaho, uh, our, our, our threat has been fairly minimal. We've had a couple, but most of the smoke is coming out of B.C., uh, mm-hmm. Alberta, this way, and in our own Washington area. Uh, it's just been really brutal. But we had about a four-day reprieve last week, and it looks pretty good today. So uh, a lot of a lot of summer athletic events has been have been called off because I hear if it, if the threat goes above 150, mm-hmm. they call almost in, anything outdoors. So. Gosh darn it! Between smoke and pandemic, it's just—it's a constant battle, and not to say what's going on in Afghanistan. So it's just really a mess right now. No, Jim Walden's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. Uh, a lot to think about. A year ago, we're, we're playing tug of war about having a season. We fast forward to now. We're going to get a season, and that's that's outstanding. And we're going to get a season with with a crowd. And well, Garth Brooks was just here at the stadium, ninety thousand plus. I saw that one hundred and five thousand beers were sold uh, at Memorial <laughs> Stadium. Yeah, so. some things never change, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, things got kicked off. Uh, ahead of uh, the Illini uh, for Nebraska football fans, but let's start off here as as we look into year four with with Coach Frost, and there's some some pressure, there's some progress that needs to happen, and you know the teams have been so close in a lot of one possession games, and kind of get your take in on on Frost in year four. I know you followed him when he was at Oregon. I know you followed him at Central Florida, and you've always kept an eye on on Nebraska. I, you know, I'm very positive about what he's trying to get done. I, I for one, 
didn't put very much uh, emphasis on anything last year, if you mm-hmm. want to call it. Sure. I know they played some games, but I have to tell you something. Football players are, are entertainers, and they love to show off. And, you know, you practice your whole life uh, to make it to the big league, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So then what's the next thing? You want to perform. You know, there's nothing better for a performer than to have a full house. You talk about Garth Brooks. I mean, I guarantee you, you're going to get everything he's got. But you take about, if you told Garth Brooks he's got to go out on a stage, perform in front of nobody for two hours, you're not going to see the, the same impetus and the same energy that if he if he had 70,000 people, which or whatever he had. Mm-hmm. And so football players are the same. College football players want the fans in the stands. So as far as I was concerned, last year was just an exercise in long-term spring balls. It was a... It was a a, game, a a thing you got to find out about your players, got to move a few of them along. You got to. It was an evaluation process. We yeah, we played some games and we did the national championship thing and all that. But to me, uh, I hope that everything we're seeing uh, uh, with stands and fans in the stands and the mass thing going away, we got to get back to normal. I understand people can die. Uh, what else is new? People have been dying of pneumonia. They've been dying of cancer. They've been dying of a lot of things all our lives. But we cannot keep subjecting our young people to these things. So I, I he answered your question. That was a long-term version of I think Scott's got a chance uh, to, to make this thing go. Uh, I think, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, he, he's, he took over a pretty flat-out uh, program. Mm-hmm. I don't think the people of Nebraska had any, maybe didn't have enough of a clue, didn't want to believe that it was as bad as it was because you just don't want to believe that at the University of Nebraska that your program's going to get that far in the, in the dumps. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's had a tough time trying to pull the pieces back together. Get, and when you lose a little uh, of like the Nebraska's last 10 or 12, 15 years, you lose some of that uh, aura of, of, of that you always had, that People were glad to hear Nebraska knocking on the door. This is a recruit from Nebraska. Oh, wow. And I think some of that is dim, dimmed a little bit. And it'll take some time to get it back. And so I, overall, I think he's – I don't think he's done in anywhere near as much as he would like to have done. Mm-hmm. But I think he's done a better job than people are giving him credit. Jim Walden's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Hall of Fame coach, Washington State, Iowa State, and, uh, of course, uh, quarterback uh, for Bob Devaney out of Wyoming and an uh, assistant at Nebraska in the, uh, the, the early 70s. Coach Walden, I, I love your perspective on things because there's not a lot you haven't seen or done in the world of college football. And I uh, love your take here on, on where Scott's at. And, you know, Nebraska, you, you said something really right on, and, and that was the, the, the dimming, right? And it feels like there's just been there's been a puzzle, right? Like whatever puzzle you want that picture to be, seems like pieces have been taken away here almost the last 20 years just through – change and transition and turnover. What's your takeaway here with Trev Alberts? And I assume you tried to recruit Trev when he was at uh, in, in Cedar Rapids? Well, yeah, we knew he was. <laughs> it wasn't a very big effort. We knew where he was going. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But, but uh, <laughs> I, I, overall, um, 
is keeping it in the family. Yeah. I hope they consulted with Tom Osborne about that. Yeah. I'd like to think that Coach Osborne should have some. Uh, I don't think Tom Osborne would ever ask anybody to let him do something. He would never stick his nose in anything, not the kind that I remember. Mm-hmm. But I think he would give you his opinion, and I hope they ask for it. I, I hope that Trail will do a great job. As you well know, I thought it was just – I would. I made no – Made no hit. I didn't make a, a scene, but I didn't. It was, I, I didn't like your last hire. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be nice. No, no I get and, you. I get uh, you. Well, you, you know, you know, you know, you know, Coach, uh, Coach. You know Moose better than most. I mean, you worked with him for what thirty years. Yeah, I knew him for about thirty-one years, and I watched what he did here at Washington State. And I knew that, in my opinion, when he when he left Oregon. Uh, <clears throat> And came up here, set out a couple of years, and then got the job here. It was a, it was only an ego thing uh, for him to go back into. He should have never gone back in. Mm. But Bill wouldn't let his ego say no because that was his school. He went to school at Washington State, but he proceeded to run him into a hundred million dollar debt. Yeah, he did a couple of good things. He helped finish up a stadium that Jim Sturk had started, and I'll give him credit for that. But he just, he never had the energy that it took. And then when I found out he was going to go to Nebraska, I thought, well, you know, maybe they don't have the financial problems that a WSU has. They don't have a fan problem. He'll be all right. But I didn't think it was a very good hire. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm not surprised it has turned out like it has. And hopefully Trev will do a great job. And you know he'll be motivated. I think uh, that he will <clears throat> want to do it. I, from everything I hear, with the exception of having to drop some sports, mm-hmm. one, of course, being wrestling at Omaha, uh, which made a lot of people mad, but uh, hey, they don't understand, you know, that sometimes finances you have to do that in this day and age. You just, if they can't support themselves and the rest of the sports are not making enough to do it, you have no choice but to let people down. So I don't think that'll be a problem for him in Nebraska, hopefully. And other than that, I think he'll be, for everything I hear, he's a quality young man and hopefully he'll do a good job. Jim Walden's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Trev's uh, pretty locked in, uh, great communicator, obviously, uh, is uh, is known in the media with, with his time with, with ESPN, but Trev's been, been around a lot, and that was a tough spot. He went into at UNO, and I know there were some unpopular things he did, and, and now uh, Trev's able to uh, to kind of gauge the landscape and, and try and get football going again. Coach, uh, I wanted to get your take here on uh, on, on the, the game of the century. Uh, Norman, Oklahoma is the site for week four. Nebraska going to be down there, and we're going to be down there as well. I, I can't wait. We're going to be uh, doing a show from, from Billy Sims's restaurant. So it, it's going to be a, a party. But take me through your experience and, and also Coach Devaney. Huge game, similar moment in Nebraska football, and, and you were on the sideline as an assistant for that game of the century, 71. Well, to start off with, it was the most intense uh, time, and uh, all of us as coaches at that time were trying to laugh our way through it, but it was a nervous <laughs> laugh. <laughs> you know, we're all trying to be positive, and we're coaching our kids as hard as we could. We knew down deep, and I know Monty Kiffin would tell you the same thing, and Warren, if he could, that we knew we had a great defensive team. We knew we had a solid offensive team. Uh, it was, I think, if you look back at the records, we were probably a football team that was averaging about 35 points a game. In those days, that was a lot of points because we didn't throw the ball 50 times like they do today. 
and we're only allowing about six points a game. So, uh, but when you looked at Oklahoma, you were almost looking at yourself. They had a great defense. They had outstanding offense with Mildred and Pruitt and all those guys and the Selman brothers. I mean, it was just phenomenal football team. And whether you liked it or not, it was. You always see. Sometimes this funny thing about coaching. You can see their nose guard. You may think he, oh God, Selman, what a great player. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know about, you know, you don't think about Richie Glover. They yeah. were doing the same thing, looking at him. Mm-hmm. And so, it was a very nervous time. And many part of it was, I've said this before, was the length of time between our last game and the time we played OU. That long period of time from the last game before Thanksgiving, the last Saturday before Thanksgiving. Till all the way over till Thanksgiving Day, it was an eternity. Seemed like that it was eleven or twelve days that that went on, and then on top of that, the Saturday prior to Thanksgiving, everybody's arch rival games were played and done. Mm-hmm. So Sunday morning, the media world, not excluding NFL, the college media world woke up with Oklahoma and Nebraska looking them right in the face come Thursday. And so for four days, it was just massive. And after a while, your kids get caught up with your players. Are, I mean, you're having to watch what your players are doing, what they're saying, what they're eating. You mm-hmm. start getting suspicious of everything. And so it was, it was to say the least, really nervous. Jim Walden with us. Uh, gentleman Jim Walden. Uh, former quarterback for Nevada, assistant for Nebraska in 71. We're talking Nebraska-Oklahoma game of the century. That celebration coming up here the, the fourth week. But more with Jim Walden as uh, we get to it here. Hour two at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes, Jim Walden with his legendary coach, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach Devaney asked about him. He always handled things. It, it just rolled away. He knew how to deal with his players. He kept them at a level, kept us probably calmed down, to say the least. Yet you knew down deep he was nervous as he could be. And so overall, he handled it like you always expected that he would. And he just made it look like it's just not just another game, but an important game. So let's get ready. Let's do what we're supposed to do. And that's just what he did. It. Jim Walden's with us. We're talking game of the century, Nebraska-Oklahoma. Coach, did you relish that opportunity, that moment? Nebraska had been good. You, you were knocking on championships before that moment, but the, the eyes of the college football world, ABC, Johnny Rogers, the return, I mean, <laughs> so iconic. Did you enjoy it, or did you enjoy it when it was done? No, I don't think any of us enjoyed it until it was over. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we enjoyed it 10 years later when we look back and see what how magnificent magnificent it was and and the the, the whole overall thing and every football player that was involved in that day and every coach those that are said are still alive which is not many would tell you it was a magnificent thing but it was after it was over i you, you were so nervous and and hard working and trying to be common mm-hmm. positive and and confident. But well, you know what? When you look at Jerry Taggy and Van Brownson mm-hmm. and Johnny Rogers and Jeff Kinney, and you you look at the defensive line of Glover and Harper and Johnson and Dutton and Jacobson, and, and you think, hey, you know, we're, we're not bad. And yet, down deep, you could almost call the same names from Oklahoma. 
and and so it was to me, and I've said it before. It's the greatest Oklahoma University is the greatest team in history not to be a number one in terms of. Uh, to finish second, uh, it's the best second place team probably in history. I won't say, you know, I don't mm-hmm. say that, but up until that point, let's sure. just go to that far. In 1971, there was probably 20 years prior to that that OU would have been number one team in the nation. Mm-hmm. And so here you had two unbelievable teams coming together with such great athletes. And three guys that I'd like to give some credit to, too, Smitty, that doesn't get enough credit. Tom Osborne had a feeling, and, and so did uh, Carl Selmer and, and Cleese, that we didn't have the offensive lineman that we were used to having going into the 70s season. Tom Osborne went to California and recruited three football players for us, Dick Rupert, Keith Workman, and Carl Johnson, and they hardly ever get their names mentioned. But if you look back at history, you're going to see those three junior college football players were starting five on the 71 football team. And I believe with all my heart that as many great players as we had as many hard-working Billy Oles and wide receivers holy cow uh, good players but if we don't get those three guys out of California to fill our bill in the offensive line we don't win the national championship mm-hmm. that's how important I think those three guys were for our football man that's i didn't I, I knew there was some juco infusion for 71 but you just nailed three-fifths of the line <laughs> and, yeah and, and and they were good players and boy brought a lot of they just it just filled right in it filled mm-hmm. us up and they did a great job for us Jim Walden's with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Coach Walden, want to get your thoughts here on, on the next kind of move for college football. You had Oklahoma and Texas. They are off to the SEC. And I was kind of wondering if the, the Big Ten would, would maybe go shopping for some Pac-12 teams and, and kind of merge it or, you know, what's next here. And it sounds like that there, there might be an alliance between the ACC, the Pac-12, and uh, the Big Ten from when it comes to scheduling as a counter to uh, what the SEC did, and that's you know breaking up the Big 12 uh, potentially here as soon as this goes through. What's, what's your gut tell you uh, with, with uh, the next move, the next wave for college football? Do you think an alliance is a better way to go than, than more poaching? Yeah, and... I'm going to step on somebody's toes, and I'll probably catch a lot of flack for this. But if I was a Big 12 conference, I'd be I'd, I'd wave at Texas and say, "Good, good riddance." I'm sorry to see OU go. Mm-hmm. They've been a family member of the old Big Eight uh, for years and years. They will be missed to me. Uh, it's just part of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, mm-hmm. Iowa State. The old Colorado and Nebraska was a wonderful, wonderful league. The, the, the eight was the best it'll ever be. And I know you was a part of that, and uh, a big part. Mm-hmm. Texas, as far as I'm concerned, Texas never. All Texas wants to do is be bigger than they uh, be. That they spend their whole time trying to be the big dog. Mm-hmm. So they may be about to get what they deserve, as far as I'm concerned. And some of the because those some of those southern teams down there don't give a damn about Texas, <laughs> and they ain't going to worry too much uh, about, and they won't be able to tell. I don't see Texas telling Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and South Carolina how to run their business. Mm. And Texas has a tendency, from what I understand, to do that. So in some ways, I don't even know if it's a bad thing. Now, here's my answer. Mm-hmm. I would take the, those eight schools and the 10 out here, mm-hmm. and I would, or the 12 out here, 
and I would form what I call five pods. And I'd play an interlocking schedule in football, and then I'm not smart enough to figure it all out for basketball. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what that means, Smitty. Take, take the four in the Northwest. You take Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, put four in SoCal, the, two so, the, the four SoCal schools, and the four Missouri, Colorado, I mean, uh, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Everybody in those teams, you play all three of those. That, that protects all your game rivalries, your mm-hmm. big rival games. Every one of them has got a rival game in that. So you play all three of your pods, and then you play three more teams uh, in, in the rest of your pods, and then the conference, within your conference. And then or play two more. That give you five. And then you schedule two games in each pod in the Big, eight, Big 12 conference. Mm-hmm. That would give you, somehow or another, an eight, nine, or ten schedule, however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. You can play five out here and four back there. You can you can play three plus two plus four. You see what I'm talking about? Yes. And you would have a quad. Let's say you had a pod of Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, and Oakland State. So that's a pod. Now you put the rest of the Texas schools in a pod. So you got five pods of four, which is 20, 20 teams. Mm-hmm. You play four non-conference games or, or four conference games in the Big Twelve. You play five in the Pac-12, and so are the other way around, coming this direction. Mm-hmm. So you're playing an interlocking schedule, and you can break it down into conference champions. You'd have a conference champion matchup, and then let the bowl games go where they can. That's that's how I see it as far as the football concerned. And then it would be like you have you're in the middle of you have a a 20 team league, but you're not necessarily in the league. You're just gotcha. playing inter inter conference games. The Pac-12 plays four Big 12 teams, and the Big 12 plays uh, at least five, four or five out mm-hmm. here. So you could it, you could make it work, I think, fairly easily. And boy, just what a fun it would be! You got Nebraska. I mean, Iowa State, for instance, mm-hmm. playing UCLA at home, playing USC, playing Washington. Uh, Iowa State going to USC or going to Arizona State or going to Colorado. So you'd have all that interlocking, and to me, television would eat that alive. They would really love it because you'd you'd have some pretty good intersectional games between Stanford uh, and and uh, Texas Tech or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be a great league if you just combine those two those two units. Well, we'll see if it happens with uh, what's left over from the Big Twelve and old Big Eight. Uh, time will tell with that, but uh, I know there's going to be uh, some movement somewhere, some way. Coach, I, I can't wait to give you a call here uh, later on in the season. I always love spending time with you. Thanks for a few minutes today. No problem. Keep it up, man, and go Huskers. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, busy show tomorrow. We are excited, man. Going to be on the road out at Cunningham's Journal on the lake out at Cardi, and we love our friends in central Nebraska, ESPN 1460, 1550, 1021, 1027. 
And uh, what uh, it's been so much fun being on the air out there. It's also been fun hanging out, spending time with Doug Duda, a uh, legend out there and everywhere. Just phenomenal broadcaster. So Duda, there will be a Doug Duda appearance at Carney's, uh, I should say at Cunningham's Journal, uh, Cunningham's Journal on the Lake. We are doing a road show, Hail Varsity. Again, we love getting out to Kearney. We were at the downtown Cunningham's post-Colorado uh, a couple of years ago. In 19, we are going to be on the road tomorrow, Hail Varsity Live from Cunningham's Journal on the Lake in Kearney. So come on out and uh, say hi to Duda and uh, wave at me. And, yeah, I'm hoping for, uh, for a deck spot. And if that's not doable, if it's inside with their massive TV setup, God love them. Yeah, it looks and beautiful. I, and, I, and I'm flipping through the, 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 the website where there's, like, street tacos and there's beef tips and there's, like, you know, fudge brownie with ice cream and uh, yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk some football tomorrow and just soak some sun up. Grab your pole and uh, maybe cast a few lines in. Huh? No kidding, man. I You know, every time I head out to central and western Nebraska, I think of my grandma and grandpa out in McCook. And uh, we are actually going out in the morning for uh, for a memorial service for Aunt Charlene. So I get to head back west and uh, say goodbye to her. She loved. She was incredible. But no, we're heading out west and uh, little uh, little Edison, Nebraska man, driven by it a thousand times in my life, and get to go tomorrow. Uh, not for uh, a, 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 you know, it's not joyous, obviously, but we'll smile and remember. And Charlene and cousin Chuck and 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 uh, cousin Kathleen. So, it's um yeah, it, it'll be nice to be out uh, central western Nebraska. And big thanks to uh, to Cunningham's and, and Doug Duda for getting us hooked up for a an afternoon show, a Hail Varsity on the road in Kearney, Cunningham's at the lake. A reminder to buckle up. I'll be buckling up here in a second to head west. Seventy percent of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce. The risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Fun show today. Great stuff from Charlie McBride on the uh, the question Sammy McEwen asked about. Do you want an elite pass rusher or an elite corner? We heard from Coach Chenander to kick the show off. Greg Smith was awesome to talk some some football and recruiting. Coach McBride an hour or two. And then an extended sit-down with a Gentleman Jim, Jim Walden. Long-time coach. We're talking a decade at Washington State, almost a decade at Iowa State, and was uh, an assistant at Nebraska through those uh, early years with Devaney. Played for Bob Devaney in Wyoming. But from 69 through 72, he had Jim Walden uh, as part of the Nebraska staff with Devaney, with Coach Osborne, with Warren Powers, with Monty Kiffin, and Jim's just kind of giving it to you straight on what he thinks, and he's uh, he's hopeful and thinking things will be all right for Coach Frost and, and Trev Alberts, and I just got to kick out him saying, well, we know where Trev was going. We were we sure we recruited him. We ain't getting him. <laughs> so that was pretty good. Will Wilson, you rock. We'll check in tomorrow. Have a good Monday night. Back at you tomorrow from Cunningham's Roadie on the lake in Carney. Talk to you then with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.